Alright. I guess we should get started. So. Officially, instead of just discussing <laughs> how late I was. This is going to be the best pre-rumble. It really ever, is. Ever, ever recorded. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking, I'm just honest, I was just really entertained by the fact that we went, how you doing, Phil? Like, there was just this sound that came out, you went, <laughs> <laughs> It's Guild Ball Tonight, your independent source for Guild Ball news, information, and conversation. Episode 85 for October 1st, 2018. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Guild Ball Tonight. Now, as is generally the case with, uh, with uh, big erratas or season transitional changes, we've got an episode with Jamie and uh, as is always the case but this time around uh, I'd like to say that uh, we did this on purpose but it really wasn't our decision but I like the decision for a lot of reasons and that is that instead of just you know doing another five-hour episode with us they've decided to break the guilds up among lots of different media outlets now we are of course doing the the initial uh, release episode uh, because, uh, I don't know, I think they rolled dice or something. Uh, and we are doing in this episode just Union and, of course, the Order, who is now their, their actual functional minor guild uh, at long last. So uh, we don't really talk in this interview much about the other guilds uh, as a courtesy to other media outlets, and I'm not really going to do that now. But I do want to just sort of preface this with a, a quick little blurb. So uh, if you want to see the cards for Union and Order, you can, of course, go to the Guild Ball Tonight website, and I'll have a link there on the, on the homepage, and that's either... What uh, gbtpodcast.com, I think, or you can go to philbowen.com. I know that definitely gets there. I mean, I've got like nine different URLs that all go to the same place, so you can get there. Um, like I think gamepunting.com might still go there uh, for uh, blast from the past listeners uh, who were listening to me make podcasts five years ago. All right, so uh, anyway, if you want to see all of the, the cards, you can go there and you can view them, or you can just listen blind, or you can, I don't know, I think uh, maybe Steamforged will have them available either now or in the future. I really don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention, which is, of course, uh, my forte. So uh, in other business, uh, this will probably be the last episode before SteamCon US, but we... I think we're going to try to do one between US and UK just because that's kind of fun and then another one after Steam for uh, SteamCon UK. So, as long as Bill and I can make our schedules work, that is the the release schedule plan around SteamCon. Now, of course, I will be at SteamCon as long as my uh, as long as I don't have any car trouble on the way up because I'm driving, which is insane, but uh, flights to Nashville were weirdly expensive 
And uh, Bill, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't look like he is going to sneak out. I know that he was trying up to the last minute to, to squeeze it into his calendar. But the, uh, the, the event is still two weeks away, so we're hoping that he that he still does pull it off. So as for, as for the content of this episode, what I will say is that... Uh, the, the the union and the order really didn't change too much. They 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 had a light touch. I mean, compared to what you'll see in some of the other guilds, uh, you know, there there is a spectrum of changes from very little to uh, reinvention. And um, union is probably just shading to the right of that left hand margin. Um, really didn't see them, really didn't see them explore any new roles or, uh, shore up any particular roles. I think that the, the implication there is sort of that they're, they're doing okay when it comes to being a, a damage and, uh, tricky scoring guild. Uh, I think that's fair to say. I think order maybe is a little bit more of a surprise for for some people in as much as I think that the complete one-sidedness of order's game did have some people wondering if maybe they were going to make some changes to the likes of uh, well, Brisket especially to, to kind of make her a little bit more of a two-way player, but if anything, they... They really just said no. This is this is who and what brisket is, and left it at that. And that's fine. I mean, there's still a team that I would really like to play if I could get around to uh, if I could get around to banning them. Uh, so overall, I will say that the, the season four changes were not as drastic as. Not as drastic as some things we saw early, either in uh, either in the Steamforge blogs or, or or elsewhere, kind of led us to believe. I mean, a lot of the things that we saw in, like, say the uh, the Exiles and the Faithful boxes, which kind of had us uh, told that these were Season Four style designs, and those, those players turned turned out to be a little bit. Uh, a little bit on the uh, pushing the envelope side, and so a lot of people were trying to imagine that to be the new baseline, which would have kind of re- required that everybody creep up a little bit. And it is probably true that the game on a whole creeps up, but I think where where the expectation may have been that the creep was three or four notches, uh, maybe they kept it down to like one notch, and so it's. It's really not too too terrible. Also, I'd say that the the amount of things that you're going to have to adapt to in terms of changes, you know, things that don't work the way you expect them to, or players who don't work the way that you remember them working, that number is relatively low. I mean, like, I almost want to say that it's. Uh, some of the changes to to these players really sort of feel like changes because it was changes time. And 
But I don't want to say that in a way that is cynical. And I don't want to say that in a way that makes you, the listener, feel like I'm being cynical about that fact. Because there's actually... There's actually two ways you can look at change for change's sake. And that is, number one, of course, is the the cynical approach to say, oh, well, they just changed this because they could. And why do things have to change? And why do I have to replace my cards? And why do I have to learn new things? And and you could be you could be very negative about it. But on the other hand, you can also look at it as an opportunity for, for for some refreshing in the game. You know, I think that if if the game were to be stagnant, and I think I think I think Jamie actually says almost the same thing in the interview, but it's definitely something that I I agree with to a point, and that is that if if too much of the game didn't change it might be difficult to retain players. Um, you know, if, if the meta was was not... God, I hate that word. If the, if the, the zeitgeist <laughs> was not uh, given some freshness, you know, if there weren't things for people in in the uh, in the discord to talk about if there weren't things for people uh, on the forums to talk about I think I think that the interest might trickle away and I know that whenever there are changes perhaps even changes for changes sake you know, there is a spike in... There's definitely a spike in my attention to Gil, to Gil Ball, you know, even me. And there's a there's a definite visible spike in discussion. You know, either a new guild or a change to an old guild just gets people to talk. And we can't have a new guild every couple of months because, well, not only is it logistically difficult, but it's hard on your wallet. And it'll be hard on the dev team to keep up with all that. So... You know, this once or twice a year making the old teams new again thing. You know, I think that that does... It does have some value. Now, you can question sort of their everything at once approach to it. You know, I think what I might... What I might be a little more interested in, especially now that the the cards have gone to electronic or or uh, self-printed or print-on-demand, where you don't have to sit around waiting for your physical cards to come from Steamforged anymore. Uh, I mean, really not that you ever did, but now that that's sort of the official oeuvre of the game, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them revisit a guild or two every month and just... Just kind of say, you know, hey, these guys need a little, a little something here, and wouldn't it be interesting if we did this? And wouldn't it, and just, uh, you know, we wouldn't have these runs where, you know, one guild was sort of on top for an extended swath of a given season, uh, necessarily, because some of their uh, some of their missteps could be addressed a little more quickly, 
and some of the things that the some of the abuses that the community has decided to inflict upon each other could be addressed a little more quickly. So, um, I think it's weird because at a, at a, at an earlier point in my in my history as a gamer, I didn't like for systems and games to change. I wanted them to be sort of locked down and eternal. And uh, you know what? What you notice when a game hasn't changed in a long time is, is uh, really are the ruts. You know, really is the uh, anything that isn't balanced, anything that isn't strong enough, anything that isn't useful enough. You know, when those when those things are forever. Man, that's hard, right? Like that's that's tough to deal with, and it it can make a game uh, less likely to be played. So, I think that there is a there is a schedule which would be too much, but I definitely don't think that we have even that we have even come close to that schedule in in Guild Ball World where. Where realistically we get a full errata and a corrective errata each once a year at this point, or yeah, yeah, about once a year, and I think they could at least double that and still be still be uh, good managers of a game. And I think that the player base could get used to that. I think that the player base could adapt to that and to understand it as as management of the game and not manipulation of the game. I don't know. I think that's a that's an interesting topic. I hope that somebody at uh, SteamCon in a couple of weeks decides to come up and uh, maybe talk to me about that. I, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to to have... Uh, to have some some interesting uh, conversations about Guild Ball itself at SteamCon as opposed to just asking people when and where we're eating. Uh, Which is generally what what these conventions are all about. So, uh, all right, kids. So here's uh, like an hour and a half of Perkins and me and Bill talking about Union and about Order. And uh, we will see you. We will see you soon. Well, good morning to all of our wonderful listeners. This is Bill on Go Ball tonight, and I have a couple of people with me. One is a guest, and one is not. We, of course, always go to our guest first. Hey, Jamie, how you doing? I'm good, Bill. It's been a long time uh, since I've been on here. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a while. Well, so the problem is Phil and I, my lovely co-host, who's also on the line with us. Hey, Phil. Hey, Bill. There we go. <laughs> have to be grumpy old men and be unhappy about everything. And since the Kickstarter is like four years over, there really wasn't a lot for us to talk about, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, so we are here to talk about some very exciting season four goodies, uh, at least the ones that you haven't released, like the three cards you haven't released already. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what are we talking? We're talking order, and we're talking union. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, 
I know there's a lot of information getting ready to be floating around. People are inundated. But, Jamie, how excited are you that this is finally, you know, in the final stretches of hitting the uh, the, the Guild Ball population? It, it, it literally can't get here fast enough. This is has been coming since, I mean, what we started. I mean, we've been working on Season 4 for quite a while since sometime into last year. But we've been working on it like properly full steam ahead since what like january february of this year and it's solid work since then um on, on developing uh, well redeveloping i guess a lot of these miniatures with new and exciting rules making doing a little bit of rebalance of the game um bringing models back into the game that weren't being played before bringing some new and interesting ways to play the game as well as trying to simplify things and make sure we don't just know massively overload new users of of guild ball or new players for guild ball when they're just joining the game around the time of a new season and doing all that stuff took so much time and was such rewarding work to do and we just and it's all finished now we just want to get it out there um and it, yeah like super excited about it i just want to <laughs> like it's almost borderline frustrating at this point just to get it out and get it gone and this is the this is the first step in doing that uh or this is one of the next the first big steps in doing that because obviously we've just We've just finished reviewing all of our blog reviews, and now, um, only a couple of days um, ago, when this recording actually goes out, people will have only just found out that we're going to be doing all of these podcast reviews, um, well, podcast and, and YouTube, and yep. uh, I think there's a couple of blog reviews coming out, and obviously media reviews. One, me, media reviews, yes, of each guild, one per day. This is the first one to go out, so this is spearheading this new wave. Uh, super excited to finally be able to talk about all this stuff like completely out in the open. The thing is, this is a just this is kind of like a, a deja vu for me and you because and Phil because we've done all this before. We were we were here for season three. We've done all these kind of reviews of all this exciting stuff, and we know all this all this is like. And it's really really cool to see uh, the the reactions of people that are brand new to this process and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, I got I got to admit, this is getting to be kind of you know getting kind of bored doing these these reviews. <laughs> I mean, the last one was quite a while ago. What was it like two years ago that we did this? Uh, you mean, I think you mean our, our epic five-hour episode? Yes. We did. Yes, I still remember it. Um, <laughs> where we just like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna. This, we just went, you know what? We're not gonna give all these different podcasts different different guilds. We're just gonna throw it all through Guild Ball tonight. It'll be yeah. fine. Let's just do well, it all course. in one go. No problem. No, that was all good fun. Yeah, no, but seriously, super excited for season four. I really can't wait to get out there. We've been working on it for so long, and we're super proud with what we've done, and we just hope people like it, really. So so we have, uh, we're, we're talking about two guilds here, right? The Order, Minor Guild, and the Union. However, every one of these models, at least for a couple of months now, have been played as one big guild. Mm. So from a very high-level conceptual level, and this is where we're going to let you sort of run crazy... How hard was it to separate the two so there was a distinct flavor? Um, initially quite difficult, just because like the if you take the original concept of the Union, like back from the earliest days of Guild Ball, it was always these ragtag bunch of mercenaries that don't really have much. They didn't really have anything unique on their own to start off with. All, all of their abilities in Season 1 were... Um, they, I'm pretty sure that in Season 1, they, they, ne they didn't have any unique abilities. They were all copied from somewhere else. Uh, like black when black cart had commanding aura that was coming mm -hmm. from tapper and all that kind of stuff and then when we started adding stuff to the union in season two starting with like veteran rage <clears throat> um that that's when they started to get some of their own unique abilities like red fury bloody coin shouting out um no wait a minute jamie so, are you saying that winning is not a theme 
<laughs> that's a, it's a related thing. <laughs> um, but in terms of like their their identity of their playstyle and stuff, and I know you're only joking about. Um, but the, the, but in terms of like their identity as a team in the in the in the world and in the story and all that um, and playstyle, they didn't really have a defined playstyle of their own for such a long time until they started to get their own stuff. Um, and then when we started trying to work out what as you say, what was going to be the unique part of the union, the unique part of the of the order? The all we really did to start off with was just okay to give a, to help guide us a little bit. Let's look at the type of players that we are separating off at of first. And we knew as soon as we'd had the idea for the order becoming the, the union minor guild that we knew season brisket was going to be the, the person that was captaining that team. Um, we knew that um, Grace and Benediction, as the first two genuine church or order models that come into the guild board, they were going to be part of this team as well and captains tend to help you particularly with the particularly with the minor guilds where they've only got one captain and one mascot the captains Mm -hmm. tend to help you really define the play style of that guild quite heavily i mean piper is a goal scoring model he defines hopefully defines the right catches goal scoring team Uh, same with season brisket season brisket is a goal scoring model she will hopefully define the main method of scoring points for the order as a goal scoring team so that therefore means that you could do one of two things with the union. Um, you can change them a little bit to be so that there's some similarities. There's a lot more similarity there between the parent and the minor guild. So we we could have ended up making the union have an even heavier goal scoring focus, um, or we can keep them as this slightly more ragtag bunch of mercenaries that kind of do a little bit of everything. And that's and then when we when we stepped back and took a look at it, it was like, well, we could make a lot more in depth changes to the union. But at the end of the day. The union are really popular. People people really like the union as they are, and people often enjoy this ragtag ragtag bunch of mercenaries that do a lot of different things. So we're actually not gonna we're actually not gonna change that. I mean, the other day, don't don't change something that works with you know if it ain't ain't broken, don't fix it. I'm eventually gonna get the words out. Um, Well, and that's a really interesting point, and and I'm I'm glad we can hit that early on. So leading leading into the beginning of season four. Um, and, and I got to be the first one to jump out and, and call you on this only because I've so often been on the other side of, uh, you know, listening to you in DC and, and Matt even saying, well, it's really hard to balance union because they go into all these other guilds. So when season four <laughs> gets here and they're not in all the other guilds, then they, we can give them distinct and, and, and of course, Matt then goes, and of course, you know, Bill, they might get more powerful. <laughs> so, so. I, I know I looked at all of the cards of the union and I went, I'm confused. It doesn't seem like there's major upgrades here. So, uh, so what, um, like what's been the thought process about that? Is it really as simple as, Hey, these are really good. Or has there been some competition in how you design the other guilds that maybe even without minor guilds, there's not as much need for union into those other guilds. I'm going to, I'm going to do the really, really unhelpful thing and answer your question with a question, which okay. is, do you think the union need a power upgrade? Let's, let's talk very specifically about the, the power <laughs> of this team as a whole. Let's step away from theme for a second and just talk, because this is really, it's a question about balance of power. Do you think the union needs to be made stronger? So I, uh, Absolutely not. I mean, the simple answer to that is I also see Longshanks, and considering they are one of my tournament guilds, I think they do fine. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I would say that Long. I would say that Union's probably in the same position as, as a lot of other guilds. Is that their 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 main six to eight players are fine, 
but they've got some some unselected players who need a lot of help. Yes, right. I, mean, and, I think that's definitely fair to say. Yeah, and I think in the case of Union, some of their unselected players have maybe been unselected a little longer than some of their <laughs> guilds as well. Right. Yep. So it, it there there's players in Union who simply feel like they are unplayed or unplayable who have been collecting dust for a very long time and I think that's kind of where my expectation for change was was that you know at, at the top end I don't think that you know veteran rage and and you know mist and and, and Harry were were exactly uh, poised for <laughs> for uh, change as much as you know, Fangtooth and Snakeskin and uh, yeah. Say now that, that... the reality, of course, is that like, like you guys just went on like a change spree. But there's definitely it's definitely obvious that you did finally sort of pick up uh, those, those, those cards from the floor where I'm sure that they were hiding for all these years and, um, <laughs> make some, make some improvements. Which is well, and certainly appreciated. I know I, I've heard it in the community up until now. And, and I know I've made a similar comment. It's appreciated to see that there is some internal acknowledgement, right? The joke right at the beginning of the season four, uh, releases the sneak peeks when, you know, the, the, blog post said, you know, I bet you didn't even know Snakeskin played Guild Ball. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's like, you know, there there was always this, like, you could almost say that, well, you know, she was the first character to die in the uh, in the fluff, you know, so I guess that they've just kind of forgotten about her. Well, I mean, um, that's kind of been the nice thing about the changes for this year, and that when we've done previous season editions, or whenever we've done changes the game through Arata in the, in the past, there's often been, I mean, I've often, I've, I, this is a phrase that you've used actually, Phil, that I've copied, and I think it's a really good phrase, Steamforge giveth and Steamforge taketh away. Um, <laughs> we've, we have done a lot, that a lot in the past, um, because we had the, the Farmer Errata earlier in this year that kind of dealt with the main bulk of um, correcting power levels downwards, or nerfing uh, models, then all that was really left to do was that we was something we wanted to do for such a long time, take the models that people don't play as much with and make them stronger across the board. Um, yeah. no, people when you're playing with your own team nobody likes to see your models getting nerfed even if you acknowledge them as being too powerful generally no one likes to see that everybody generally agrees that it's nice to see models that you don't see very much or models that are underplayed getting stronger that's something that everyone is just that's generally a very nice positive feeling for everyone whether you play the guild or not so yeah. one of the things that i'm really expecting about season four and hoping for is that because the vast majority of changes we've made are targeting models that are seen not as often and making them stronger making them better, making them be played, or more, just, or maybe sometimes just making them easier to play with, that hopefully there'll be a really generally good feeling, good vibe about Season 4, because people are kind of being given more toys that they can play with, if that makes some sense. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, that's one of the things that's really has me excited about Season 4, um, and more, more so than any other season we've done before, actually. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. Now, what do you... I mean, so going into this, we had... We basically had sort of... I guess technically three kinds of players, but the, the middle one is irrelevant. So, two 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 kinds of players that people wanted or expected to have to have changes were players that people felt were maybe a little too strong, and players who 
weren't being touched. And hold on a second. <laughs> well, this is this is one of those between the scenes moments, isn't it? Yes, yes. This is where Phil actually jumps in and edits. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why this is why I love Phil and keep him around. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm get, it's Phil that does the editing, isn't it? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah that's oh, yeah. fine. So he's just creating work for himself, so that's fine. We could talk about literally anything just now. Uh, See, so and you need to come on to, to Gamers Lounge where we don't edit at all. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> I need to put my... another one out. Oh, he's back. No, my <laughs> son had a, a logistics question about the day, so I can answer it. <laughs> that's fair. So where were we? All right. So, so we've got players then who, who obviously need changes either – improvements or balances uh, as we will euphemistically call nerfs um and then uh, a lot of players who are kind of in the middle who whether they were selected or not tended to be uh not based on their not necessarily based on anything on their card as much as the cards around them or or or, or who are just generally seen as perfectly fine um what is your what is your sort of response to the question of why change so many of the players who were perfectly fine? You know, what why do we have so many changes, I guess is the is the question. So there's a couple of reasons couple of reasons for that. Um, and the first one I guess is trying to one of the things we realized as a development team that we were doing with Gilball for so long is we've been primarily targeting um what we would call retention which is we know that we know our audience we would like to keep them uh interested in what we're doing what was going to keep our existing veteran players happy doing xyz things um one of the things that we had not done as much with and we started like probably from around the time that we released the kickoff set and from then onwards what we've started getting better at is um trying to gear our development a little bit more towards player acquisition so growing the player base again because um, the the go ball player base exploded in the early years and then kind of got to a nice and stabilized point and we're still we're kind of still in that stable period and it'd be not, not that we not that guild ball will ever like have the explosive growth that it did in the beginning games don't tend to be able to manufacture that uh, out of nowhere but it's certainly we're just certainly interested to see what happens when we start thinking about those brand new players again uh, that we haven't thought about as much for a little while and what simple things can we do to help encourage growth in the game um as well as looking after as, as well as looking after our veteran players um and looking after retention so i've given it a bit more of a 50 50 split than than focusing it too much towards retention um so there's been a number of changes to players uh, that otherwise wouldn't have seen any changes specifically because that we're also looking at player acquisition as well as retention mm-hmm. if that makes some sense so mm-hmm. there's not necessarily a problem like a, a direct problem with a model but we know there are things we can do to simplify it which and that those can then often cause knock-on changes to other things and it's one of those pieces it's often like one of those puzzles where when you pull one piece out of position that pulls something else somewhere else and you just have to do a lot of work to make sure the whole thing keeps its stability overall once you've gone about and made all these changes you want to make, you've then got to look at the knock-on changes to all those and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of stuff that's happened as a result of that. Um, and on top of that as well, we knew, we've knew we known for a while we wanted to really do a decent language pass of the game um, and just really assess 
how is a card presented to a person and this kind of i guess falls under looking for acquiring new players headline mm -hmm. is if you look at the just look at a guild ball card look at its season three version compared to its season four version and you will notice so many changes that we've already talked about in the blog posts like removing uh, bolding uh, bolding from text seriously mm -hmm. cutting down on the uh, use of capitalizations um removing all like well not all but removing a large amount of the square brackets that we used to use and really trying to make our text look a lot less intimidating than it used to do our rules text mm -hmm. um and uh and also just try and write rules more in a way that it, a rule just does what it says it's written in more clear english because game rules language can often have a tendency to sort of you can create rules jargon or gamer jargon or gamer slang or, or words that you know what it means because you've played <clears> other <throat> miniatures games if right, that makes right, sense right. um like a miniature a miniature board gamer will have a defined understanding of the word resolve or resolved that someone that hasn't played a miniature board game before won't understand does that make right. some sense right yeah so trying to just get rules text to do exactly what it says so that even if you come into Guild Ball for the first time and you've never played any other miniatures game before, you've never played any other board game before, that you will have an easier time understanding and getting to grips with the language. Mm -hmm. And that is a really not exciting thing to talk about a podcast, but it is something that we spend a lot of time doing and hopefully it will have an effect on helping us grow the player base. Um, I think it's actually a really cool thing because it is something that a lot of a lot of gamers don't think about. And uh, Phil and I have touched on this because I actually have a new, I have a new guild ball player in my area this year over the last couple of months, and he is new to gaming. Yep. So here's, you know, he's an adult. He's, you know, in his forties. He's lived his whole life doing nothing beyond video gaming, and suddenly I'm getting him involved in guild ball. And there's some of the questions that he comes out with that are like intriguing to me and have really resonated with exactly what when you guys started talking about that at the beginning of the year right how much of this is gamer jargon that we take for granted versus real life language yeah so um now i noticed and i wish i had an exact example here and maybe hopefully without an exact example you'll hit <laughs> this will be a question that resonates because i know it's when i asked you online i noticed that in a number of places words like immediately got removed which mm -hmm. as a to worries me because well as a to i get to see all the players at a tournament including the ones that love to uh make arguments about rules like well it doesn't say immediately so now i can do this anytime during the turn yep yep um so you, and you're right we did go ahead go ahead and reassess really important words like like immediately and why are we using that word what is it being used for and um in a lot of what we actually found in a lot of our rules text is that we would use the word immediately very inconsistently um uh. so we had to go and this and, and the use of the word immediately isn't even uh unique on itself there's a number of other like the the amount of different ways that we would phrase a character trait that just basically says you get plus one damage in this instance <laughs> the the amount of different ways we would phrase those kind of abilities uh there was probably four or five so we went ahead and standardized a lot of those rules text, like what what classification of rule is this? Therefore, it will have this kind of sentence structure. So all those plus one damage, like shove the boot in, plus one damage when you're hitting a knockdown target, has the same rule structure as burning passion, plus one damage when you're attacking a model suffering the burning condition. Those rules all come under the same classification, have the same structure. Um, when it came to the use of immediately in like uh, character plays, um, anything that doesn't have... 99% sure that anything that doesn't have uh, the sustain uh, a sustain effect yep. um, and 
that's another one as well. Anything that doesn't have a sustain effect. Anyway, there's another one as well that I've forgotten, but I'll come back. Anything that doesn't have a sustain effect basically happens, it already does happen immediately. You don't need to say it. It just happens. Like, um, So the example you gave me, I think, was like quick time. This model may make a two-inch dodge. Right. It doesn't have a sustain. It happens immediately when you pay the influence amount for it, and it just occurs then and there. Yeah, it's like um, stuff that doesn't have tokens. <laughs> right, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah it, um, we noticed that we could... We already had a lot of those rules that didn't include the word immediately. So it didn't need to include the word immediately because the rules that didn't have the word already functioned correctly without the use of the word. And that's a really weird thing to say, but hopefully that idea got across. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the times when we did use the word immediately uh, in character plays are, and I, I'm struggling to think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but the use of the word immediately normally comes up when you have an interrupt. So the best example I can come up with right now is um, unpredictable movement. Um, right. Because... It's it can interrupt a charge action. So you, there are two parts to a charge action, which is you have the movement, then you have the attack. An unpredictable movement can trigger between the charge movement and the charge attack. So it's interrupting, which means you need to use the word immediately because it is immediately following the end of the movement action, uh, the movement part of the action. And so, for all those rules lawyers that listen to Guild Ball tonight, which have gotten to be very very few, <laughs> take a note. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are other times that we need to use it as well, like um, legendary plays and heroic plays. They don't, they they have quite um, a vague or a bit of a nebulous description in the in the core rules. So you'll have all different kinds of like legendary plays. I think in the core rules description actually says that it lasts for the whole turn unless otherwise stated. So when you get a legendary play that just says this happens, um, and I bet you that the black heart example is going to be wrong now, isn't it? <laughs> black heart's card. That's because I'm just trying to pick one that's relevant. And to my mind, yep, awesome. That's oh, that's fine. That's cool. Right, <laughs> cover that one. So, Black Arts Legendary, for instance, says um, choose one effect, six-inch pulse, target-friendly model within its pulse gains plus one death, which will last for the whole turn because that's the definition of legendary play. Yep. Or friendly models within this pulse may make a two-inch dodge. Now, luckily, because Strike from the Shadows says a six-inch pulse, the definition of a pulse is that it happens immediately. It happens straight away. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't. Um, last like an aura does because the pulse happens straight away but if you had let's pretend for a, sec for a second that Strikes and Shadows was one model makes a two inch dodge so it wasn't a pulse basically it would just be one model within six inches makes a two inch dodge then that rule would say one mo a friendly model within six inches immediately makes a two inch dodge because you need to state when it occurs does that make sense? yeah I'd no that makes 100% flown down a rules rabbit hole which I apologise for <laughs> It's all right. We uh, we like to see how the sausage is made. All right, so why don't we talk uh, a little bit more about uh, a little bit more about Union and Order since we're that's ostensibly what we're here for. Yeah, so let's um, dive into the order. Yeah. So what what was the w with order? Uh, was there a, was there a point where you? Uh, because you could, you wanted to sort of re take another swing at order because they kind of they really came about in, in a very piecemeal fashion. I mean, I don't know. Actually, I, I guess a, a quick yes no question is when when you first started with Benediction Grace and Season Brisket was 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 that even at that point known that they would one day end up in another guild 
Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> when 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 Grace and Benediction first came about is because um, it was driven by um, background storyline because Matt sure. and Sherwin really wanted to have <clears throat> really wanted to have models that represented the the church and their impact in the in the back in the backstory having them represented on the pitch and he wanted them represented in the union and what was going on with the union and all the events of the union in chains and all that going on one of physical representation so we wanted these two models to come out now we had started talking about the fact that we might end up making a church team someday mm-hmm. but I'd, i'm pretty sure that grace and benediction came out before we'd even had the conversation about minor guilds um so we knew that they'd probably come about in their own team eventually but we didn't know what form that would take Mm-hmm. Um, so the original design of Grace and Benediction wasn't impacted by minor guilds, if that makes sense. Um, right. Now, so, so were you happy with the the accidental nature of the of the uh, of the order? I mean, was it was there a point where you kind of said, eh, you know, maybe we should start these three players over because ultimately they haven't had a lot of changes between the, the three of them and also the uh, the two others who are older players, Harry and and, and Mist. Yep, yep. So, um, so were, was it a case of uh, just not wanting to change horses midstream or were they kind of working as intended? So kind of like jumping right back to the start of this conversation, we talked about how the order was split off from the union and we we said we took a step back and had a look at the at the union as a whole and their playstyle. we did the yeah. same thing for the order when mm-hmm. we identified the initial models um which at the time the existing models were grace benediction brisket and um, we knew it would probably be, be missed and then harry ended up going well, as well. Now, I, I think you were kind of stuck with that based on the the accident of boxing weren't <laughs> you <laughs> Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's kind of the kind of the dark secret here is that this team was this team was put together very unintentionally. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's fine. We it's made fine. it work. Sherwin yes, is did. a genius. Yes. Sherwin is a genius, um, and Sherwin did fantastic Sherwin things, yes. and we've ended up with where we are. But yes, the, this team got boxed together. So the team got boxed together. This is what we ended up with. But look, luckily. We, uh, we there were some some easy things to start off there with there in the, the brisket grace benediction were all very strong identities there so even if we just started off with those three um mm-hmm. you can look at the playstyle there and go that's these three quite clearly don't come from a, a beating face butchery team mm-hmm. um which is ironic given you know brisket's past um <laughs> That gave us a very strong core with which to work with, and we were then left with one of two choices. Do we go with that core, or do we change it completely and give the order an entirely new identity? And we decided to do the former, um, just make make minimal changes. So what we actually ended up doing was taking that team... To, we, by the time we ended up coming around to developing the union, uh, sorry, the order as a minor guild, we already had Pride developed. And I, can't, I don't think Pride was out in the open yet, but we already had Pride developed. Um, so we had the we've got the six model brisket box. This is before we started development on Fangtooth and Spigot and Season mm-hmm. Spigot. Um, and we have these six models and go, this someday, these will be a minor guild. This will form the core basic the core six for a minor guild. Let's have a look at how they play as a team. And with their season three rules, they function okay. They they do fine. They're they're a bit rough around the edges. There's a bit clunk there's a bit of bit of clunkiness in there. But they did okay. Um, so 
what we decided to do was let's when we develop this team we've already got we've already got whatever it is 12 13 other teams to go and do all their cards too we being completely fair don't have the time to go and also redesign the order when we don't have to and it's not necessarily our laziness just that we didn't need to do it they were already a team that we knew we could we could make work properly with some smaller scale changes mm-hmm. it was an interesting play style um so we decided to go with that option and we decided it was something that we could do to the best of our abilities rather than giving ourselves more work to do and then completely redesigning them from the ground up um so we took a look at the team we looked at the gaps that they had and decided what changes we could make to to fill those gaps and make a coherent play style and on top of that we also knew we had two players in the back pocket which was going to be veteran fang tooth and seasons bigger and we knew that those two players were going to come in and basically fill fill the play style gap like what does this team really need these two players can fill that hole mm-hmm. um which is why veteran fang tooth and seasons bigger both ended up coming out one being a very 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 heavy fighter with in fang tooth with some ability to help with the team's football football uh, goal scoring orientated play style and then seasons bigot who is much more of an all-rounder you could almost say he leans towards goal scoring but he's definitely also not a bad fighter in a pinch and we, yeah. we knew that that was that would add some very stiff backbone to the team they'd still be able to play for two goals or three goals and if they're playing for two they now have with fang tooth with spigot they now have the capacity to go and get those two takeouts um mm. So when you look at um, and, and this is something that surprised me coming into season four, not not unpleasantly because I was dreading a change on this, but when you look at Benediction and Grace, they were given abilities early on for, you know, what other other games call arc nodes, right? Yes. Either being yeah, cha- able to channeling, yeah, yeah, channeling, right? Being able to send abilities through, and then Grace, of course, can can shoot her abilities out. I've heard the comments, I'm sure you have, and and I've seen it in my own play that they tend to be two of the first models, even, even as iconic order models as they are, they're the two that first get dropped from my lineup because there's not that many target-friendly model abilities in order. And even coming into Season 4 now, I didn't see many added why was that decision made to keep those channeling abilities in the way that they are? Um, I think part of that is because they they do cross over back to the union, and we we actually one of the changes that we had a look at making on Benediction that we decided not to go with in the end was to um, potentially allow him to channel um, offensive plays with um, with was it in part in part wisdom or in part faith um oh. in part wisdom so we considered that ended up going again not going with it because it caused some odd interactions and balance issues that we weren't particularly happy with mainly yeah, i was gonna with... say which play tester do i need to shoot to, to make sure <laughs> that gets reversed i mean i mean i mean you i mean you could be ha- you could be unhappy about that or you could be happy that we didn't have to make another change to gutter because <laughs> well, <laughs> because I... that, that old favorite that old favorite chain grab was was right at the center of what was causing certain issues with that. Um, and, and, and thank you for saying that early because, you know, I was waiting to ask you why Gutter made it through an errata without a change. I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> I mean, you, you, we could shape it up that way. We, we had to make we had to make sure that the, well, the, the ability on Benediction didn't change so that we could save Gutter from another change. <laughs> um, but, but no, no, you know, also there's this, um, it was, it was partially, I mean, mainly, I guess not partially, mainly mm-hmm. the fact that they're crossing all the models back with the the union and, and there were some problematic things there and the, there was but we also feel that the interactions they already have with the union are interesting in what they already 
what's already there. So we know that Benediction loves playing with Veteran Rage because of um, Red Fury. And that there are people out there that actually playing with Blackheart as well because channeling on my mark can actually be really interesting sometimes or even, uh, um, yeah. Um, and, up, and, and again, up front, I'm saying thank you for not changing that. Benediction is really the one for me that uh, I was dreading seeing that pulled out. Yeah. Um, now, Grace lost her ability that I think most people took her for, which mm-hmm. is the ability to get rid of AOEs. Why was, um, I guess, two questions, uh, either one or both. Why remove that ability? Is that simply to reinforce the new AOEs in the game? And then what do you see her actually doing in a team now? So the the ability you're talking about was, yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was called now, a pure, purification? Purification, yeah, purity. Yeah. Um, it was, for lack of a better phrase, um, wildly inconsistent, and in that there were sometimes where, if, if like if if you imagine that if that is Grace's main selling point, then in a team where you're playing against no AOEs, she has no worth at all, or yep. she has very little worth. And then against a team that relies upon their AOEs, such as how Season Three Smoke did, then she's <laughs> she's critically important and you can't not take her and we just were unhappy at how that that forced her selection you didn't really get i mean it wasn't really were, a choice either, yeah well, yeah exactly it wasn't really a choice you either took her or you weren't because of that ability and because of its impact on the pitch um and we just weren't happy about it and one of the things that we've done overall with season four as a whole is <clears throat> we have made the condition game more consistent that is i think there are more teams that have access to more conditions mainly the alchemists but we're not reviewing them today but more condition more teams have more access to more conditions but at the same time there are more teams that have access to better anti-condition tech so overall there is a lot more of it in play and a lot more counterplay against it which should hopefully standardize or not standardize but make the condition game of gilball a bit much more consistent than it was mm-hmm. so on that train of thought we wanted to remove purity from grace because that 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 was the only anti AOE anti AOE tech in the game, and we didn't really feel like adding more of it to the game. So it was just a, a massive gotcha spike thing that right. people didn't really enjoy playing with, or well, people enjoy playing with it, I guess. People didn't enjoy playing against it, and were often caught out by it in a way that wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it got taken out. Well, why, given the proliferation of the uh, condition <laughs> removal, uh, was there a a specific reason that it wasn't just switched to remove conditions in a, you know, con, you know, under a circumstance, or did you just not want this team to be able to play that uh, mini game? So we're taking a bit of a risk on the order with this because they're they're one of the teams that that like so obviously the union have hemlock who has smelling salts, um, but the union themselves don't have access to a specific condition removal um, ability and. The main reason we're doing that is we're taking a bit of a risk on healing light, and that. So you get not all that enough. Yeah, yeah there, there are there are other obviously there are other effects of conditions, but one of the main effects of conditions is causing damage during a turn, and mm-hmm. and healing light is is kind of the order's answer to that part of the conditions at least. So we're taking a bit of a, a leap of faith, a leap of faith there, if you will, on that. Fair enough. I mean, I think, I, I think kind of the way that I rationalized it had more to do with the fact that they're such a speed-based team that they needed that Achilles heel of. Mm. You know, so many conditions slow you down as well that uh, that needed to be their counterplay. Yeah, that's also fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be your answer next time. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, yeah, that, that's that's good. 
So what, uh, <clears throat> what about, uh, let's talk about mist, I guess, because I have, I have a couple of questions about mist. Um, the first question I have about mist and the most important question I have about mist is, uh, when does the model that's in the drawing <laughs> come out? <laughs> I mean, you could, you could argue that that's limited edition mist, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, I mean, he's, uh, his, uh, his, uh, streamers and stuff are not full of holes, first of all. I mean, obviously, it's his original costume and, you know, holding his, his, uh, holding his knife again, but, uh, it's, it's a very different pose. So this, this is something I'm going to draw attention to, um, and, this is something that I really wish I'd shown around for me with because this is something that he asked he asked for and that he told me would be will be eventually explained in the season four storyline and it's something that's a, a bit it's always been a bit of a shadowy part of Mist's shadowy nature I guess a little bit mm -hmm. is that Mist actually is Sherwin's asked for Mist to be our first gender fluid player he doesn't have a gender right so, oh. so I should stop actually saying we should stop saying he. Um, but it's, I'm not doing that in a like telling off manner, just pointing out and something that that the next time you speak to Sherwin, you should definitely ask about. Well, it's actually up to Mist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so for anybody that yeah, for anybody that hasn't been around for that long, um, there was there was definitely a bit of a miscommunication for Mist about whether Mist was um, a guy or a girl, and from when we had the original art made to when we had the original sculpt made, um, so. And it's not something that we want to lean into as a joker. That that it's just it's something that is is um a we can make accident, we, we can yeah. right for lack of a better phrase definitely we can lean into it and it's something that we can explore a little bit here. So let's let's go with it. That's it's, it's what's happened. So let's let's have a go and see where this takes us. And this is actually also something that we're considering looking into in the future as well. Is where does this path take us if we if we end up having maybe a couple more gender fluid players? Don't know. Let's well in the future that might we might we might find out. So, so I would just like to say, thank you. There's, there's no need for me to make any additional comment after somebody looks <laughs> at the, uh, the, the momentous tackle on one, yes. and watches Chris and Steve. For those people who know that reference, ro start to roll over in their graves, <laughs> and I look forward to you also reverting the fixes on gutter back to real gutter, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I've been patient, you know? I knew this been, was going to be It's been three thing, seasons, man. so I've been patient. I saw that momentous tackle, and I was like, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> Bill's going to have something to say. So um, I actually made a – there was a Facebook post about this recently um, just because because the, the day before – I'm going to say this is going to be weird time traveling now. But the day before we made this recording, that's yep. the right way to say that, um, some people were asking about whether the, the, the missed order card would have the new missed art because we put new missed art and new Harry art onto the, uh, the season brisket metal rebox. So I just showed people the top of Mist's card and just said, yes, you will be getting the new art. And whilst I'm here, I might as well show you a little bit about more about his card. So I left in the playbook as well, just to show people that he had the momentous tackle back. And people got a little bit excited about that, and that was cool. Um, also gave me something to talk, something to do on my Sunday evening, because I was on my Saturday evening, because I was a little bit bored. Yeah. Um, but um, and one of the things that people were asking, obviously people were asking questions about why we decided to do that. And I said... Um, and people brought up the fact that it was a reversal of what we'd done earlier because obviously as you pointed out Mist started the game in season one with a momentous tackle that then got removed by a router I want to say I think during 
season two or season three, season two, I think it was. And then it was obviously now the I brought it back. Yeah. It was an early one. Yeah, it was it was an early one. Um, early. And the reason why, uh, what, sorry, what I said to that person when they're asking about why we did that is, is that an, an answer that is wrong um, can, or right can change over time. So removing Mr. Momentous Tackle back in season one or season two was the correct answer at the time. That doesn't necessarily mean that leaving him without a momentous tackle is the right thing to do in season four. And that's because of the context of the entire game is changing around Mist. Um, and to what then makes that fair or not. So to put that into context here, in season four, there are a number of things that affect this. One is the main one, I guess, is the fact that the kicking team starts the game with a point of momentum. That is, that's going to have a massive impact on season four games. Uh, and it's going to probably take people the most amount of time to get used to because of how that changes turn one. Mm-hmm. Um and what that allows Mist to be is if you want if you want Mist to be this is to be an extremely aggressive kickoff model um, because you already have that momentum there. You don't need to worry about genu- generating momentum. You just need to worry about getting into the enemy team and and tackling the ball back so that you can score. Mm-hmm. So when that was such a big problem back in season one because we weren't we weren't used to people playing with aggressive kickoffs and we weren't sure how to deal with that mechanically. So we ended up just backing away from it and saying, this is probably not an okay thing. Whereas in season four, we're leaning into that instead and going, actually aggressive kickoffs are a very interesting thing that we now would like you to try and experiment with and play into, which makes Miss Momentous Tackle less of an issue, if that makes sense. It's not, it's, it's not like a standout feature because everybody starts the game with momentum. Everybody effectively has that moment, has that momentum already to go and score a goal with and can play aggressive kickoffs. So, so, so that- the lesson here, kids is if it's OP now, wait three years <laughs> and it won't be. Well, <laughs> patience the other thing patience is, is a virtue. I kind of figured that they were trying to smoke screen. The fact that, uh, Mist is now got a, a two inch, uh, lower, uh, scoring range, uh, because that's, uh, Oh, see, I just assumed that was to try to give Grace some more capability. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> no, it's like, so So, what is, it, it really does feel like you want to, to really cap players at like 20 inches now. I mean, is that is that still, I mean, I know we talked about this back probably in season three about not wanting to have the the flint type range on strikers anymore. Is it still... Are you still clawing that back at this point? There are there are models that have like an extreme threat range still in the game, but you're right. Yeah, we're not we're not adding. Um, I guess the right way to say it is strikers that have an above twenty inch threat range on their own with no setup whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. There are not many of those around in the game anymore, no. um, which is which is just true. Yeah, <laughs> but it's too bad. Because I, <laughs> I like those. Well, I'll, I will. I will caveat that with there are there aren't any strike there aren't many strikers that have those kind of threat ranges on their own in a vacuum without interacting with the opponent because that is right. also one of the bigger that's also one of the bigger right. focuses of season four is we want to increase player acti- player um, engagement where possible and player interaction where possible. We, we've sure. noticed with certain teams, it's not really much of a problem with the order and the union, um, but we noticed with a certain guilds that standoffish play. Is, was becoming more and more of a thing mm. um 
especially since high level competitive players will always play cautiously because that's how they prefer to try and keep control of the game. So when that kind of playstyle bleeds out and everyone else starts adopting that playstyle, um, it, it, that's just generally less interesting and less fun for everyone. So we've one of the things that we've done, and this is actually a change for the union, is, is we've reduced the range of blind as a result of this, is we wanted to give um, standoffish playstyles and teams less tools to work with um, to try and incentivize players to want to engage. So if I'm going to talk about this in like military tactics terms, you have hit and run play styles where you can mm -hmm. come in and come out. Um, so second wind, for instance, allowed long range models to come to fly in, do lots of damage and then retreat without the opponent being able to catch them um, or to attack with ranged AOEs from a distance, deal mm -hmm. damage, but never going into range blind. You could walk into range, reduce their movement so that they couldn't come and hit you back. Those are not fun play styles. We want, we would instead much prefer people to, to more often play what's called bite and hold. So, I don't know, set, I guess a, a good example for me as a mortician player is <clears throat> I would like to vanguard with Ghast. I'll send in Ghast first because he's a very difficult model to deal with, with fear and rising anger. He has a very easy momentous knockdown, so he can set up and replace me to come and attack. Otherwise, he's a really good model to send in first. That's a bite and hold tactic. He is not retreating. He is there for the opponent to hit. And because he's there for the opponent to hit, that means my opponent has a target on their turn. They've got something to interact with. They, even if it's not in the ideal situation, they've got something to go and play the game with. They're not just moving models in an open space and not being able to hit enemies or interact with the ball. Does that does that concept make sense? Sure, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when it comes to how strikers uh, are are you know used, the threat ranges don't extend much past twenty inches because they actually can threaten more than twenty inches as long as they go and charge into an opposing model and at least go and make attacks to buy dodges around them. That will extend the threat range. So it's it's a very, um, it's probably the lightest form of interacting with the opponent, especially if you have a two inch melee zone model attacking a one inch melee zone model, they can't really interact back. <laughs> um, but they, there are things that the opponent can do to minimize that standing cover, um, have two inch melee zone players with good counterattacks near the front of their team. But anyway, it's still enforcing a level of player interaction if you're having to attack the opponent to get dodges to get around them to score goals. Uh, that's a really, really long-winded answer, but I hope I got it across. <laughs> so I, I know we're not we're not going to drill into each each model, but I think there is an important part to to jump into, especially with order, uh, which is season brisket. Uh, yes, I, I I actually got away with referring to her by her proper name, not by the Trisket name, the real name. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, so. I, really, I, I mean, the changes here, I, th I, I think, are are light and elegant. So my my applause to you there. But uh, specifically around Route One, if anybody like is missing where the change is. But let me ask you this, Jamie. One of the biggest complaints about her, and I think I can definitively say this, has been the lack of momentum on one, mm. and then when you look at things like with a plum, which is placed fairly high in her playbook for a typical tack five model. I mean, even, even with a charge, if she's going in alone, she's still really iffy on getting that. Why, why were those two kept the way they are instead of like going in and addressing, you know, it was the community just, just off on this or what was the thought there? Um, part of that was, <clears throat> part of that was trying to establish a bit of a, um, a typical church or order playbook construction. So it's about half the models. If you look across all the cards, Brisket, uh, Fangtooth, Season Spigot, um, 
I'm sure there's another one. No, so there was three. I'm sure there was more. And technically, oh, well, yeah, that was it. It was missed before we made it to tackle Mementos. <laughs> there, were, yep. there were half the order players that didn't have Mementos results on one. And one of the things that we try to do when we create a new guild is, if we can, it would be interesting to try and give them flavorful playbooks. Um, so the best example of this, I guess, is Brewers and Masons. They probably have two of the most flavorful playbook constructions in Guild Ball. Brewers have no moment, no momentous, oh, very little momentous damage low down very high momentous damage momentous pushes momentous knockdowns um and the masons have their almost entirely first half of their playbook momentous and the back half of their playbook is almost entirely not momentous um we can't always make playbooks that are styled that that well or have that strong of an identity and theme but we'll try and instill small themes where possible um like there's a really nebulous one that i can just use to justify anything i want actually sometimes which is the morticians <laughs> the, the style of the mortician playbooks is that they are specifically inconsistent <laughs> nice nice um, right. so i as a mortician player i could occasionally abuse that to just go i really want this result that's fine it's inconsistent i'll just make it inconsistent with whatever else is there anyway side point so when it came to the to the order, um, we were looking at trying to instill um, some some identity there. And one of the ways in which we want to do that was to try and have as few um, as few momentous results on the first column as possible. And some of them we had to leave there for balance. Uh, I mean, it would have been really nice to do it on Harry or Benediction, but that would have felt like nerfing those players unnecessarily. Right. Um, so we did decide not to do it there. But yeah, yeah. So and we decided to attack. That can also not having momentous results on the first column can be a problem against certain teams, with particularly with high armor, like the blacksmiths, for instance. That straight away is then why we added um, feral instincts to pride, so that if they're having a problem generating momentum because of high armored opponents, they have the option of ignoring at least one point of armor with anatomical precision that they can hand out to anybody. So it was. It first came about because we wanted to establish a theme. We then realized later on that it was there were certain cases of it being a, a bit of a balance issue. Hence, um, feral instincts came in. Nice, nice. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And and how about with a plum? I mean, do you do you see this as a? I I guess asking you as as the head of playtest in in design, and then also, um, you know, just across the playtesters as a whole, is this just a cherry on top type of ability, and that's why it's sort of left. Yes, you know. um, we did. We actually, I remember having a number of conversations about specifically about with a plum, and we considered removing it, and replacing it with something else. Um, but we were quite happy with the the identity that it gave to brisket. So we looked at moving it down the playbook columns. But if you move it down any further, even onto just onto the third column, you get to a point at which where it's possible against low defense enemies for her to just trigger that on a basic attack. Yep. And that's without without any help at all, even or just with a bonus time. And that's not a position we wanted to put it in. Um, at the same time, leaving it on the fourth column, as you're right, it's it's quite difficult to trigger a lot of the time, and she does need some help, or she needs to be attacking a knockdown target, or to have crowd out uh, gang up, sorry, helping her. Um, which is why we decided to take an intermediate step, which is we added a dodge to the playbook result, so that if she's putting that amount of effort into getting the result. If she's attacking a one Melee zone model and they've counterattacked, at least she'll be able to get away at the same time as doing it and be out safe and be, uh, you know, safe. Um, or if she's spending all that effort to go and get the Wither Plum, that it, she's also she's getting another benefit on top. Basically, um, she's not going all in just for that extra ability and the momentum. And, and it was nice to see that you know singled out has been pulled into the minor guild now, and yes, um, the uh, was it Feral Instincts um, is in yep. there as well. So, Phil, how are you feeling about your uh, Sunday morning church? I mean, order. 
is vaguely appropriate, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, I mean, I, genuinely, uh, genuinely as well. Having also listened to your last episode, and you were talking quite a bit about what teams you were going to play, Phil. And I remember Bill trying. You were trying to. In, suggest oh, yeah. to, to Phil that order is a team that you should absolutely play I completely agree with that I think you'd love this team <laughs> Phil so totally keen to hear what you think about them yeah uh, the, the, you know the, the problem is I just I haven't painted them yet and I you know me I don't like to play unpainted models yep. and part of that is down to the fact that I and you know this is something that uh, you know maybe talk to talk to Russ about or something but it's the fact that the brisket model doesn't look like a church model, right? Like she doesn't have the face mask or the, the fancy armor and things like that. And it's just, <clears throat> again, it's, I think it's a relic of the order of events, but, uh, that, uh, church brisket model with, uh, with the, with the armor would, uh, would definitely be something that I would, Ooh. I would, uh, like to see. Gen Con yep. 2019. <laughs> so, uh, Spring Fling 2019, alt sculpt. Yes. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that they're. I think they're interesting. You know, I, it's. See, I, I don't want to ruin anybody else's uh, preview show by talking about what teams I do and don't want to play <laughs> in season four. So this mm-hmm. is a conversation we really need to have in a few weeks. Okay. Okay. Because because the teams that I do and don't play or want to and don't want to play has um there are think, changes and we're not going to well, discuss that. Yeah, I was just say I think first, Phil and I are switching to the same team. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> firstly that makes me happy. <laughs> uh, yeah. because it's it's if I can make if part of my job if I can make your choice on what team to play and what models to play more difficult because you've got so much choice, then I am happy. Um, but let's, all right, so we, let me now, let me refocus my question down to one that you can answer without stepping on yes. everybody else's toes. So are the order a team that interests you and you would like to play them, but there are just other teams that also interest you as well, or are they a team that doesn't interest you? No, they're, they're absolutely a team that, that interests me because they're a three-goal team. I mean, out, yeah. out the gate... They're a team that, that wants to score three goals. And at the end of the day, the only reason I haven't played them is because I, I mean, literally, I just haven't, I don't have all the models yet, first of all. I, I hate to admit it, but I have not bought the the the, uh, the box with Spigot and Fangtooth mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I'll probably just pick it up at SteamCon and be done with it. And... Um, <laughs> But I also, like I said, I just haven't painted this team. And uh, because they're metal models and, and they're hard to just put out unpainted for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the all, literally the only reason I haven't played them. Because they are, they are a scoring team. They do have, they do have some fun, some fun jank. Yeah. Yes, I, mean, I, I like them. I have nothing against them. I like them. I want to play them. I'm just... Because of my vision issues, I just haven't been painting lately. And that's the only reason I haven't played them. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And um, we are still working on <laughs> We're still working on my eyes right now, to be honest. It's a, it is a frustrating and sad thing. Yeah. I, yeah. And thanks for bringing it up, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what just happened? <laughs> 
Oh boy! All right, so I—that sounds like we're closing the book on order and, and moving over to I, Union, I think so. isn't it? All right. So, um, well, let me. How did Avarice and up, Greed so. make it through uh, an errata essentially unscathed? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamie has no oh. comment. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I didn't hear that. No, how did how did Gutter make it through an errata unscathed? Because oh, see, I was I was going with avarice and greed, but I mean both are both are accurate statements. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're not. Avarice and greed got changed. They they Slight. got they got changed a little bit. Minor. So, uh, they, yeah, they got some they got hit by some of the global stuff where we were taking right, right, their right. plays, but not to um, the level that then, they that they used to get changed. Gotcha. And we also I think we also bumped up avarice's jog by one from four to five as well, um, just because that yeah. four seemed unnecessarily unfair. That was all. And, yeah, but they, um, and they lost the um, yeah. But the they weren't built in, singled out uh, uh, when when greed yeah. is attached. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and we we did that because that was a rule that almost never seemed to come. Like we didn't see it being used very much. So mm-hmm. one of the things we've done as part of our simplification um, is if we're seeing rules that situational rules are okay if they were used sometimes, but if we're just seeing rules that are used very very little at all, then we'll just take those out because they're they're just adding text <laughs> for no reason. Um, yeah, but let's so be was, honest. Yeah. I was expecting Avarice and Greed to become healing players because they've been <laughs> they've been everything else. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Uh, I think I think Jamie's saving that for the January around. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so is this the obligatory place where we say uh, uh, we have heard that uh, one of the first things that you did when you started the development of season four was to take a look at the intended play style of every guild as a whole that and is, then is, each model is, individually? That is a fair thing to say, Bill, yes. <laughs> uh, if anybody doesn't know that phrase and have it drilled into their head by now, I'm sure somebody has gotten <laughs> tired of copying and pasting it. I mean, Bryce, Bryce actually wrote the last... I wrote most of those blogs. Um, I just got into the habit of taking that bit over. I was like, <laughs> yes, we're nailing... I, I don't care. We're nailing this point home. And then Bryce wrote the final one. Um, and then he didn't put that paragraph in. I went, no, no, copy, paste it, take it, take the paragraph, put it in. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this comes down. Oh wow, uh, this comes down to a big question, and it's a question that's been out there forever. We touched on it at the very beginning, but I think it's good now that we're jumping deep into Union to hit it again. Jamie, what is the intended play style of the Union? That they can do uh, a little bit of everything. Um, there, so they, they, this actually goes a little bit back to season two when we started adding the first unique models to or, or models to the union that had unique abilities so veteran rage was among those the first of those models um we determined that it was still okay for the union to be mostly made up of abilities that already existed in other guilds that was okay but for them to have their own identity that we needed to look at the captains again <clears throat> and go it was it was going to be in the captains and the mascots that you really saw what brings the union together i kind of touched on this earlier on when i said that it's the captains of the minor guilds that really show you what the <clears throat> what the play style and theme of a, of a minor guild is and i think that's mm-hmm. also fair to say about the union as well is that there are if you just look across the whole of them i'm going to say the phrase again ragtag bunch of mercenaries but then you look towards like veteran rage and he's all about this theme of bribery and fear and that he in he gets his his players to work for him because they're afraid of they're afraid of being killed if they don't do what he says uh, and if that doesn't work then he's going to throw money at them as well and that's and that comes across in a, in a sort of very heavy melee damage play style 
but the theme that's mainly driving him is this idea of bribery and fear and then you can see a similar thing when it comes to blackheart but he that that comes out in the in the on my mark and misdirection and this okay. theme of, but but overall that both those captains are capable of fighting i don't think you could look at blackheart and rage and go like even though blackheart's probably the better goal scorer of the two i don't think it's would you would you classify blackheart as this is an a star like goal scoring captain or would you say that blackheart is more of a he kind of does whatever he wants to do in the situation he's got the tool to do a little bit of everything he can definitely score goals quite well but this theme of misdirection of um not misdirection sorry it's just because i'm reading the card here right in front of me but of bribery and <laughs> the, of bribery and fear and being this pirate comes through and that he kind of just does whatever he wants to do so I, it is very tough for me to answer that question um it's, it's, and it's very it's very tough to explain that question yeah i it's very tough for me to answer that question because look this is four seasons or at least three full seasons now these have been this has been one of my two favorite guilds. Mm. These have been two of my favorite characters and I've actually watched Blackheart go from easily my most played character season one into season two to one of my least played sort of the for fun character, which also surprised me that we saw so few changes. So, so I'm going to pull a, I'm going to pull a Perkins. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Mm. Um, why did we see so few changes between rage and, and Blackheart going into the season, I know, and again, this is, let me say this, I am thankful, mm. but, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting sort of a, a toning down to Rage and maybe yes. something a little extra added to Blackheart. So I'm going to go back to, this is probably more relevant to Rage than Blackheart, but I'm going to go back to one of the things I said earlier on, which is that the mm -hmm. majority of the changes that we're making this season are to, are to buff lesser played models. Um, so if you take that logical, if you take that thought to its logical conclusion, that means that if overall we're making more buffs than nerfs, it's fair to say the average power level of everything in Guild Ball is probably increasing slightly, not yes. dramatically, just a little bit. Um, the average power level of, of a model in season four is probably higher than it was in season three. So if the average power level of the entire game, if you accept that notion that that is increasing slightly, that that means that any model that has very few to no changes is actually taking a slight step backwards in the context of the game. Hmm. So in not making any changes to Veteran Rage, you're technically nerfing him slightly. Um, and I think that as well that there are... I'm not going to be able to pick examples on this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. There are, there are certain models that have been brought into the game or certain abilities that have been brought into the game in Season 4 that are more of a direct counter to some of the things that Veteran Rage likes to do that weren't there before. In fact, I can take one example because one was on a blog. Scalpel. Scalpel is a really good example of a model that has abilities that, that directly counter what Rage wants to do because Veteran Rage does not want to play into Voodoo Strings where he's having all of his nicely set up melee zones for Bloody Coin and Red Fury being picked apart and pulled in all different kind of directions. That kind of counterplay just didn't exist in season three right and that, that's something he's going to have to learn to deal with um and, and i have and, to thank you for probably you just gave us the quote of the episode right <laughs> by not making any changes at all we've slightly nerfed them <laughs> yep yep uh <clears throat> it's, it's, i think it's true i think it, and that is the, but genuinely that is what has driven some of the changes some of the players or, or driven some of the some of the nerfs that didn't happen. I think we started out in playtests. We started out with nerfs to models like Rage. We started mm -hmm. out to nerfs to other models as well. And then as as it occurred to us that we didn't need to make these nerfs, that we could pull them back and just leave them as they were. And that would be okay um, because of the reasons I've outlined.
So, so what was the thought around Blackheart then? I mean, is he being played in dark corners of, you know, Spain and in Dubai? Um, I don't know about those two countries, but yes, um, there are there are places we're seeing Blackheart being played at a high level. Uh, I'm going to pick out two particular examples. One is that Blackheart was played in the final of the British Championships this year, uh, and also that the of the team that just won the WTC, uh, the German team, the one of the players on that team, uh, Dominic, was playing Union, and he mains he mains Blackheart. So I'm not saying. I was going to say, is that really fair? I mean, we're talking about Mountain, who always plays Blackheart. We're talking about Germans. Yep, yep. I'm I'm not pulling those two out as the only example, but there are there are um, there are examples that we'd seen of Blackheart playing very very well, and he's a a very very strong captain. So, like, there are a lot of ways in which you could phrase this. One of the really joking ways in which I've heard people say it before is like, it's secretly broken. He's broken. People just don't know about it. But like, Blackheart is a model that. And we're going to go out on a limb and and say that we think he was underrated in season three. Um, so it is probably against, as you're pointing out, probably the weight of popular opinion and that people yeah. do think Blackheart probably should have been buffed slightly. But that's not that's not where we stand on it. We stand on the fact that Blackheart is very, very strong. Um, I mean, having having if you've once you've played into a couple of Blackheart legendaries where all of the union teams are plus one death and you realize there's nothing you can do against them for a whole turn. There are some very strong things on his card. So. It's definitely. I'm definitely acknowledging that we've probably gone against popular opinion in this one, but that's that's where we stand on it. Yeah, I think I think Blackheart's problem is not that he isn't that he isn't good enough. I think I think a lot of the, the problem with Blackheart is that he's such a doing everything to a certain level player that he doesn't look like he does anything well. Is that? I mean, like. Like he does, he does improve the team's kicking game, and he does improve the team's fighting game, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't do either of those at sort of the the glaringly obvious level, and so, like I like Blackheart myself. I've always preferred Blackheart to Rage. Number one, because I don't, I simply don't play pure takeout teams, which means Rage is pretty much off the board to begin yeah. with. And if I'm not playing, you know, in, in season three, if I wasn't, if I wanted to take players who weren't strictly kind of within Brisket's orbit, I was always preferring Blackheart to, to Brisket as a scoring captain anyway, because he does bring more than just, you know, the shark game plan, right? And... He's a very utility captain. Right, like I don't, as much as I love scoring teams, you know, when I play Fish, I don't play Shark. When I play Union, I don't play Brisket. You know, I I want my captain to bring a little bit more than being the player who's out on a limb chasing the ball the whole time. And Blackheart's very good at being that player. You just have to kind of peel back the onion and see, oh, wait, he does a lot of things. <clears throat> yep. Yep, certainly. Um, now, I know Phil has been waiting patiently for me to point this out, just like with the uh the uh mischange, but I need to stick to theme here. Uh thank you with coin recognizing <laughs> that once again that first errata that you did that hit the uh union was was clearly incorrect and you should have just listened to Bill. <laughs> Because uh, the snake got two inch reach back. Yeah, 
I mean, I can I can say that whole spiel thing again about an answer being wrong at one time and right another time. Uh, oh, we have it recorded. We'll just replay it. Here. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You've got it. You've got it on a soundboard now, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll shortly. I mean, I mean, you gave coin influence ever? No. <laughs> he doesn't need it. Two inch reach and yeah. and and follow up. I mean, I'm happy. I'm back yeah, to happy. We right, can move on. Enough. Uh, so, um, kind of a drastic change in a removal of possibly the most unique ability in Guild Ball. And that would be, since we were talking about rage before, mm. base rage can get help from his friends now. He doesn't hate everybody. Right. True. True. Well, we, we, were, we, yeah. we were just finding that Maverick just prevented him from seeing the pitch too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. We considered removing Maverick back when we made the season three changes, um, but we elected to leave it in based on the fact that it gave him quite a strong identity and theme. And it, and it did. Maverick mm-hmm. made him a unique model for that very specific reason. But the problem is that's that unique identity and, uh, you know, the, well, that, that part of his unique identity was also directly preventing him from seeing play. Mm-hmm. Um so it, we have to make a choice between one or the other, basically. Now, what are the things you're worried about? I mean, do you think there's going to be a, a massive swing or is this enough that, you know, this, this sort of falls into the rising tide, you know, rises all boats. Yeah. I think it's, it's partially that and partially that, um, that we're at a point in the game now where when, when rage originally, <laughs> I was going to say originally was given Maverick. He originally was given, <laughs> that's because I remember when that happened during the season one play test. Um, the, oh, it's very di- non-Maverick Rage is in a is in such a different world to where he started. Um, and what I mean by that is damage buffs are mainly guild only now. Yep. Um, there are there are he can be affected by so many less things that just make Maverick almost completely unnecessary. Um, yeah, that was, it's that it's safe. So to, it's safe for this to be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's just safe for this to be okay now. Um, and on top of that, as you already point out, the rising tide generally makes these things better. So, and, and Rage hasn't really seen any other changes outside of that. Um, so he, we haven't we haven't made him stronger. We've just made him well. I mean, we have made him stronger, but we haven't made his cards. <laughs> we haven't made his cards stronger. We've just allowed him to be affected right. by other abilities, and that should be okay now, given the context <laughs> of the game that he's in. Well, and and he doesn't need Maverick to get around. <laughs> The, the 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 big change to Fangtooth, mm. which is so long coming. Yeah. Um, and that of course is that uh, that foul odor no longer affects his own team, which you know, for for Fangtooth and Casket, that has been such a drag for four years. Yep. I'm so glad to see it gone. <laughs> yep. So glad to see that gone. That's so, like my big, my big thank you for season four is simply getting rid of that, that one little rule. You're welcome, Phil. You're welcome. <laughs> I do notice on Fangtooth, it's it's. Um, I I'm intrigued. Has this been a building? So I look at the changes. Let, let me start that way, right? We we changed his influence, so he's no longer a one three, but he's a two three. We uh, we made it so that foul odor only affects enemies. We made it so his damage only affects himself and not everybody around him. Was this a uh, kind of growing laundry list of when we finally change him? Let's just do one fell swoop and take away everything that people hate. 
Uh, <laughs> sort of. So Fangtooth has seen changes before. He he didn't originally have Gluttonous Mass, and Gluttonous Mass came in yep. sometime during Season 2, and then we felt it was appropriate for Fangtooth to gain Gluttonous Mass, which has since been renamed Resilience. Um, and for for that brief period when he first gained that ability, he actually saw a bit of a jump in play. Um, there were people that were playing him, and then he eventually just drifted back off people's teams once again. Um, and it was it's since then that we started really looking at changes. Um, and yeah, this was just the best opportunity to take them all all in one go. One of the things I really want to draw attention to with Fangtooth is um, is that, and we we kind of. We ca- we've done this in a couple of other places, actually. Um, definitely true with, Vet- with Fangtooth, though. When we made Veteran Fangtooth, we made Veteran Fangtooth before we'd finished making the changes to normal to normal Fangtooth. Um, mm-hmm. So what we then went and did is we com- gave a comparison of the two. And I just think it's really interesting that if you take normal Fangtooth and pretend you're applying Fangtooth Unleashed all the time, then you actually end up having a model that looks a lot sim- more similar to Veteran Fangtooth. If you apply that plus one damage to his whole playbook... If you increase his speed and offset that against veteran Fangtooth having a two-inch mana zone, I just think it's interesting when you look at those two things together. He actually looks like they start looking quite a lot more similar than they do otherwise. And in, I'm glad you drew that comparison. It sounds like am I am I reading the undertone correctly that that was a pleasant surprise over being intentional? Uh. Um. No, uh, no, something is no. I don't think so. It's, it is something we went back and we went back and had a look. We were happy with how similar that they were, and then the further the other changes that we made, for example, dropping the health, dropping the health. We knew that we wanted to drop the health, but picking the exact number was based on what was balanced and also what was appropriate for matching okay. the two models together. So it was, it was kind of in the middle. Um, it was, it was, there was a, some conscious effort put in for that. Because typically designing the veterans goes the other way, right? You you start with the solid core of the current and then decide. You know, either how much you want Guild Ball tonight to be angry that it doesn't match the fluff, or <laughs> uh, you know how similar you want the models. <laughs> it, it does. It does normally go that way, yeah. But when we do a season changeover, that gives us because we have got an opportunity there to look at all the models together. It gives us the opportunity to do that in reverse as right. a one-off. Um, and obviously, we've got the really unique situation here of that we were developing the changes to normal Fangtooth around a similar time to developing the first version of the veteran Fangtooth card. If that makes. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Okay, Jamie. So let's talk about Hemlock, my favorite mascot. <laughs> is she still? Is she still a mascot? I. You know, I. I so love veteran Hemlock, <laughs> and, and 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 I was so hoping to see her two inch drift back. Um, I'm not sure she's as much of a mascot and it pains me to say that because <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not sure she makes my lineup regularly. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have been playing her and a lot of people are playing her for blind because blind has such a, uh, has grown to be such a good effect and smelling salts is, is very strong. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's, she's become a very, very solid tech piece for the union. Um, so we did make small changes to her. She was affected, as you pointed out, by the global change to blind. We gave her a couple of extra health points. Um, that was a balance change for her, especially because we felt that she needed that in the context of the season four game. Um, other than that, she sits as a really solid tech piece in the in the union lineup. And and yeah, you, you either like her for that reason or you don't really. It's... Yeah. Now, I do want to, there is a huge change on this card. And it's really sad for the people listening to the podcast. Um as they as they because they come out, they come out come out being excited about season because because I'm going to mention this change and then we're not going to talk about it at all and you're going to talk about it with the alchemist guys, 
which is noxious blast being added to the playbook. Mm. Yep. Pin, leave that for, for the guys talking about alchemists. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So how come, how come, I, I guess, why did veteran Hemlock, who's a mortician, find her two inch stick and, uh, and you know, old Hemlock still doesn't. It's just the, it's the, the different, the different context of the team they're in. The, the two inch man, his own was okay slash needed within the morticians and it's not within the union. It's, it you think really it would have been it, too much to give it to her in the union? I remember the days of season one and the whole, <laughs> I, I do too. I, I'm, I'm yearning journey. Don't you hear my yearning for season one to be back? That was, a, that was a fun team to play. I mean, it was annoying to play against, but it was a fun team to play with. See, it's the second part of that sentence that I remember more clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it should, it, we didn't feel it was necessary um, for, for normal hand to get a two inch miles on back. I mean, we gave you the coin one. You're happy about that, I, right? Oh, I am. We can go back to that. I'm very, very happy about that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so we've seen now a, a growth in the guilds and for a long time union, I mean, union's got new models through the order coming, mm-hmm. right. But union as a whole, really, I mean, it's only grown through the, the minor guild really. Well, it, it, it... Union grew the quickest in the early days. Right. And then we knew that we wanted to catch everyone up, which by definition meant the union had to slow down. So are we at a point now where in, in this is a multi-layer question, right? Um, I touched on this in the very beginning. I think, I think a lot of people are going to look across season four and especially right at the beginning, but as we get further in as well, see that there's, more variety, more strength on their in-guild models. The choice is going to become very difficult even before minor guilds bar the access to union to even reach out to union models. Mm. And then we've reached, we've seen sort of a parody now. Um, I think we're within a model or so of being pretty equal across choice across all the guilds. Does that mean we'll start seeing expansion to union? Is there plans for that? Or is that a wait to see? That is, uh, I hate to do it, but it is unfortunately a question I can't answer right now. Okay. Um, I'll say what I'll, I'll, I'll answer it this way: We have not shut the door completely on adding models to the union. It is, it is still something that is something that we can do, and we have talked about. No. Well, I mean that that seems to fall into kind of the, the subset of <clears throat> at what point. The the question was, you know, are we are we done growing the original guilds? Right and now, we we turn around and and continue to grow the original guilds. I mean, like the this year's event, adding new players to yeah, I mean original I th- guilds. I mean, like the 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 minor guilds are sitting there thinking, you know, you could get rid of that that weird OPD rule about minor guilds if you grew us instead. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, if you look at look across, I mean, you can definitely say this because you've you've been here since the beginning, but we've definitely slowed down the rate at which we release models for the major guilds uh, for season for season three, I believe it was just one each, which was through the exiles and the, and the faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, you already know, you kind of already know what's coming in season four because, well, you sort of already know the community campaign is going to turn into the model expansions for the major guilds yep. in season four. Um, because, and if, if people that don't already know about the free cities draft, those are models that when you, when you 
win that character for your guild when that model eventually comes out in season four it will have both a full set of rookie rules and it will have a full player card rule as well so it's important to play for it and if you're not already getting engaged with it go and play the free cities draft it's great but it is interesting that the free cities draft didn't specifically excluded minor guilds and union it is Oh, you're such a tease, Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Jamie, what is your what is your favorite change in in these two teams? Which what 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 is the thing that you're either proudest of or most excited to play with? That's a toughie. Um, I'm really excited. I think as as most most union players are excited, they're excited probably about two things. I imagine look at these cards. The first one's probably Fangtooth. Mm. Um, and the second one is probably weirdly playing with rage without Maverick, um, because that's just something that's been there for so long and they've been unable to do. And (laughs) there's a lot of union players. I imagine that probably want to explore that and see all the different things you can do now with it that you couldn't do before. It's like, Oh, I can attack a model with butchery and it does something. Uh, It just seems like such a simple thing, but when you, you know, kind of as if someone's been starved for years and then suddenly they're introduced (laughs) to food. I I love the fact that you just said that I can attack a person with butchery because that was my first reaction in Mm -hmm. being under embargo up until the release of this. Mm -hmm. It has been, I can't say that to people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) In terms of of the changes I'm probably proudest of, it's probably on uh, the lack of, the lack of changes to season brisket, weirdly. Like, I've heard it said so many times in the run-up to season four going, oh, we're going to see a whole new season brisket card. She needs a serious amount of rework. And yeah. and the the amount that we have, the, the, like the fact that we have done so little to her, but when people play games with her, they were so surprised and going, actually, she's fantastic. And I'm so surprised that she needed so few changes. That's actually something I'm quite proud of as a game developer. Um, that, we've, that we've made a model so good without having to do much to it at all, really. <laughs> Now, do you think that do you, so similar, um, similar but opposite, right? There was there was a fair number of changes made to Snakeskin. People mm-hmm. have seen, you know, we haven't really talked about it because Snakeskin has been out there and discussed ad nauseum. Uh, well, wasn't um, it also the last episode where we did talk about Snakeskin? Well, yeah, Phil, you and I did, but again, she was the first yeah. one out. I, I mean, obviously, the answer is yes. You think there was enough change there to make her an important member of the team? Like, where do you see her fitting in now that we look across the team as a whole? I think it's for games that, um, well, it's a similar role to what she had before, really. So she still does ball control. Um, She just does it in a bit of a more passive way. So you probably bring her in for games like against the Fisherman or for anybody that has abilities that steal the ball at range that you're very cautious of. So I guess maybe Morticians, if you're expecting to play against Obulus and you're worried about Puppet Master, uh, is probably another good one. But games where you want the option to put the ball in a safe place and you're worried about the opponent being able to take it away from you at at range. Um, And the... It's 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 still that role, but it's kind of expansion of it. You can fit that more easily into your team than you used to. So because of the change to a playbook, when she's got a momentous two damage now, that means that you're more likely to take that type of play with Rage. Still take her for the same role, but if you end up having to make melee attacks with, with Snakeskin, it's not the end of the world because she can still generate momentum more easily than she did before with damage. Does that make sense? So her, like her, her play style and role hasn't changed. She's just a little bit better at it in sure. a more passive way, and she's easier to fit into your team. And that makes her more of a tech piece based on what your opponent's playing than a core of either the Blackheart or the Rage playstyle. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, yeah. yeah. So, 
do you see union going in that direction where because they're a ragtag bag of mercenary you know a band of mercenaries that they're a group of tech pieces or do you think there's going to be sort of the you know so, I mean, I everybody I knows what a rage lineup looks like I don't necessarily know if it's specific to the union, but there's something that, that I aspire to and we aspire to when it comes to how players make choices. So if we can get to it, this is a perfect state, so we'll never be able to get to it, but we always strive to get as close to it as we possibly can. But when you are either choosing the guild you want to play or choosing the models that you want to play within that guild, if every single choice you make is based off player preference rather than this is better than this or this is the correct thing to take than this, then that will be as as good as we can make the game because that will that would inspire the most varied amounts of different teams you play against and even what you just said then would be untrue like you there wouldn't in that situation there wouldn't be a rage team and there will be because there are good models to take with him but right if we can make as many of your choices as a player down to personal preference or i just like this model i just want to play with this one this ability is really fun i like how this model looks i like this model's storyline all of those things, if those things are making you make player, make model choices rather than this is just better than this, then we've done a good job. Um, so that basically, yeah, this is what we aspire to. Nice. Uh, January, healing, avarice, and greed. <laughs> avarice and greed, the buff pieces. <laughs> oh, come on. They got it they until at least March. Uh, so Phil, what do you think? Are you finally a union convert? No, uh, <laughs> they're painted. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I, at the end of the day, union is always going to be a little too fighty for my taste, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and but that's just a me thing. I think they're. Uh, uh, if I if I was looking for a team that, all right, let, let me let me rewind. So early, early, early on, like season one, early on, I was a big proponent of a two-two game is the most efficient way to win this to win in guild ball, and I still think that's true. I think that you know your your time is best spent going it for two and two. And Union is still a great team for that because they have players who score really well and they have players who fight really well. Uh, the The fact that my personal interest in the game has has drifted towards being a a uh, uh, an obstinate weirdo who wants to do a contrived thing. Uh, does not negate the fact that Union are still really good. So if I was going to take Guild Ball seriously, <laughs> which which is a, a big if, uh, Union would be one of the teams that I would take seriously. Um, so there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> okay. So because we're talking about union we we have a little bit of a a privilege to do this uh beforehand i think and of course you know jamie you'll just say no and and we'll go on Um, were there any changes in the other guilds that were made specifically or with a close eye towards making their union picks more challenging or less desirable no 
Um, okay. Because we're because we're now on the path to the union eventually becoming entirely independent, um, we kept an eye on them for balance problems, um, but we didn't specifically we didn't specifically make changes to make union models less desirable. Um, we just, as I say, we just we just kept an eye out in case anything was like a serious issue, uh, which which I don't think anything was, which is nice. Um, but because, as I say, because we're on that path to the union eventually being filtered out of every single guild, and they only just have their minor guilds from then onwards, then this is something that we're not. No, basically. <laughs> okay, and and let me, I mean, and, and let me make sure I'm asking because because I think there's two sides to that, right? There's the looking at union. Uh, from exactly where you've been up until now, you know, oh, we have to balance these to be in each guild. But was there anything that you saw? Like, like I know there's a lot of teams that grab decimate because they want, you know, either either the anatomical precision or more often we hear, you know, the access to all the momentum. Were there things yeah. like that that you pulled into guilds and said, let me see if we can address these types of things in the guild as a weakness that people were using Union to cover? I guess uh, I guess the the only thing that's <clears throat> I guess well there's two there's two parts to that uh, question that well there's two answers to that question the first one is I guess it's to do with how we talked about condition tech and the yep. fact that we've added condition tech to teams that otherwise didn't have it and I'm I'm trying to remember the teams that Hemlock can play for off the top of my head but I, I'm struggling but there are the what yeah. teams would often take Hemlock for is as you mentioned is the is the blind and smelling salts to deal with condition play and then hopefully that because all the certainly all the major guilds have got access to um, condition removal tech now that that would be one less reason to take hemlock but we didn't do it to make hemlock taken less does that make sense yeah it does yeah um the other part of that is i'm going to actually go back on the answer i gave before and say we didn't do anything specifically to take union out of teams we kind of sort of did with one of them which is the fisherman so if you because you, you have and I'm going to not go into massive detail about this because this isn't the fisherman podcast, but we did, right. we did mention, we did mention in the fisherman blog that we had removed all momentous damage from the fisherman and the fisherman, if they still had access to union models in season four would have Fangtooth and they would have snakeskin. Um, two models that have gotten better and they have momentous damage. And just as a, as, as a point of principle, we didn't want them to have, because we've drawn a line now, the more, the, 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 the morticians, the fishermen yep. don't have momentous damage. So therefore, um, they're not going to have access to, to the union. So what we've done on their extra guild card is even though, even though the navigators are not out, um, like the day of release of season four, they already have the navigators noted on the back of their guild card saying what cross of models they don't have union models listed there which means they can't play with union models from season four onwards um and that's done because we want to draw that line in the sand they don't have access to momentous damage but that's that's the one instance of us doing that and i'd probably argue that's more to do with what we want the fishermen to be play style and identity wise oh okay yeah and, and that was something i had looked at is you know of the upcoming guilds navigators are already on the fisherman's card but cooks are not already on the butchers card so butchers still have a window of using uh if if they choose to butchers will still have a choice of using their uh union choices for for a very small reprieve sort of like Correct. union had a chance to use uh veteran spigs or a uh, season spigs and veteran fangtooth yeah and uh, you know what i can i can talk about that quite quite clearly now um that uh that was upsetting. Um, so <laughs> when we when we originally designed the um, the faithful box set, the original design brief said this box will be dropped at the release of season four, 
So these models will not be out in season three. And I was like, oh, wow. great. I can design some season four models. Not a problem at all. Halfway through, no, not even halfway through, towards the back end of their development. So we were nearly concluding their development. I get a call. Yeah, we've had to shuffle some things around in the release cycle and the faithful are going to move into July. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that's a problem. Um, so things happened as things do often happen in the world of miniature games companies. Things need to move around. Um, that was a thing that we had to deal with. And even though it wasn't like, a perfect answer that was the situation that we found ourselves in we had to find that answer the answer was okay fine that means for a short period of time they're going to be union models and and that's it there, there wasn't really the only other answer to that question would have been to bring out the order as a minor guild early and the reason we didn't do that is because we hadn't finished the development of the season four rules for the order okay so 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 that actually explains one of the biggest mysteries in in angst out there i mean it's good to hear you finally admit that while you didn't know which ship the uh, the faithful were on, you just decided to delay and sabotage multiple ships, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you, Perkins is the cause of all of the shipping delays. <laughs> I, I got nothing for that. <laughs> uh, I've been assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of these days, one of these days when I got Jamie on, we're going to walk through, like, uh, Zapruder film style, the order of events that occurred with the announcement of the Order Minor Guild, and um, determine when exactly things changed. But uh, I don't know that today is the day we're going to do that. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be, be, there are some points in that timeline where it's like that Simpsons reference, where it's like, look, if you watch it back in slow-mo, you can see the exact moment his heart rips in half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a good story for another day, I think, is the, 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 the series of text exchanges that we had over a two-week period last year about this time i remember i remember just like full-on telling you um that what we were going to do at some point i can't remember when it was but i remember at some point just full-on telling you this is what's going to happen this is going to be this is going to be the union minor guild and you were just like no no <laughs> no <laughs> no you tell you you're messing me around and you just didn't believe me in the slightest i was like okay fine you know it was uh, it was a very confusing it was a very confusing time for all of us yeah but <clears throat> what started with with Matt can't count to eleven was <laughs> just went in a completely weird direction. So, oh boy! All right, well, Jamie, I think uh, I think that should give people some 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 real quality insight into what has happened here. Yes, now go play Union and Order before tomorrow when the next season before Guild comes out. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, as always, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you making time for us, uh, even when we uh, uh, show up late. <laughs> no problem, as, as I did. So, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to we're looking forward to the rest of season four and uh, uh, all of the all the excitement that it will that it will bring. So. Uh, any any parting thoughts from from either of the other two people on this on this conversation? <laughs> the the thing I'm the thing I've been saying to everyone about the arrival of uh, season four is is two things. Is one is remember to if you if you're excited about the game again, which I hope you are, 
I'm super excited about the game. Most people to be super excited about Gilball again. Go and tell all your friends about how excited you are about Gilball. See if we can't get some new players into playing the game. And two is if you're thinking about picking up a new guild, this is the perfect time to do it. Look, you've got all these reviews that are coming out over the next couple of weeks. Um, if you've been if you're on the fence about whether you want to play a new guild or not, just go out and go, listen to the rules, listen to the reviews. If you like what you hear, go out and try a new guild, try some new models out. This is the perfect time to try something new for Gilball. So. Very good. Bill? I'm happy. All right. I just can't wait for the next reviews. I and I, 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 and I, I think, I think again, we should just we should just end on Bill just saying end I'm on happy that. because that that's such a rare thing. <laughs> well, especially when it comes to you know changes to union. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Perkins right. has an Perkins has an achievement unlocked. Bill there happy. you go. <laughs> so uh, so Jamie's selling miniatures. Bill's happy, and I'm awake. That's pretty much what we're gonna. <laughs> what's what we're gonna end on. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Bill. And uh, we will see. Uh, we'll see everybody on the next one. Bye bye now. To join the conversation, comment on the show post at guildballtonight.com or email us at guildballtonight at gmail.com. Also, feel free to give us five stars on iTunes. Every little bit helps. But when you do. Don't write a review of the show. No. Instead, just tell everybody why you love Flint so very much. Guild Ball is property of Steamforged Games Limited. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not represent the official position of Steamforged Games, Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems, Aperture Laboratories, or even the other hosts and guests. Dogs barking can't fly without umbrella. once again for another installment of Ox's Poetry Corner. All I want to know is which dang show to download to get the butchers. <laughs> <laughs>